0: coming back to the idea that I want to create like next crazy big thing like Facebook or Twitter, the scary thing is when you have some crazy goal you should be careful because it might become true. So I feel like I accomplished that and then realized you know, oh, it's too big for me I want to kind of go back and do something smaller.
1: mean, there's a version of the entrepreneurial journey that I think a lot of us fantasize about, particularly when we're broke, you know, tinkering around in front of our laptops in an apartment where we struggle to pay the rent. We imagine that we are going to put our idea on the internet and someday that idea will be worth millions of dollars. What a dream. That's what today's guest has done. And so we're going to get into the story. This is someone that we know very well. His name's Simon Payne and he is the co-founder of lead pages. Now, if you don't know what lead pages is, it is the preeminent software, I think it's fair to say, in landing pages. So when you go to a website and there's a pretty looking opt in box there asking for your email address, there's a very good chance that that was generated with lead pages. Now, I recently got the chance to spend some time with Simon in the beautiful Czech Republic. He hosts an annual meetup for DCers there, that's members of the Dynamite Circle. And I got a soft spot for Simon because I knew him way before this journey. We met him many, many years ago, actually where the dynamite circle was incepted. Do you remember this, Ian?
2: Very well. Yeah. We met on a little island in the Philippines.
1: Yeah. And at the time, part of me wants to say, you never would have guessed this random guy in the Philippines would someday found this company that's worth millions of dollars and has over a hundred employees and all these things. But you know what? I kind of think that we would have thought of that, of that of Simon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Simon's a very interesting character. I think when he was over in the Philippines on that trip, he was also practicing martial arts and he had figured out a way to break into the local martial arts scene, which is didn't seem like a very easy thing to do. Stick fighting. I had a feeling this guy was going places. You undersell
1: it when you say stick fighting. Those sticks are just representations of killing weaponry. (laughs) So let's not undersell this. This was a martial art that is particularly brutal. We'll just let Simon start the story there. By the way, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can go to tropicalmba.com slash convertplayer, which is the name of Simon's new project. And that'll be at convertplayer.com. It's a tool that helps YouTube publishers collect emails when viewers are watching their videos. Pretty clever stuff.
0: Yeah, I was doing it for more than 15 years. I was fencing with all kind of weapons from swords to knives to all kind of weird different things you can use to hurt people. And then at some point I felt like I reached the point where I got enough of training here in Europe and I want to go more and deeper and find somebody else who can teach me more. And that's why I decided to go to Philippines where this martial art called Eskrima is originally from.
1: This martial art in the Philippines is famous for training like U.S. special forces because it's not one of these like find your purpose kind of martial arts. It's specifically designed to kill people as fast as possible.
0: Yes, that's pretty much description they gave me and I thought it's bullshit and then a few months later I realized they were actually not kidding.
1: <laughs> so these are like the only martial artists in the world that it's okay to have a pot belly and drink beer and stuff because as long as you know where to hit the other person, you win the fight.
0: Yes, they said that's their only way to survive because other people probably train harder and they probably know other things and more tricks. So they only need to focus on doing one thing really, really well because when the time comes, They need to be really fast and effective.
1: In your professional life, where are you at this point when you're in the South Philippines? I mean, do you have a job? Do you have any money? What's going on in your life?
0: That was the time when I just was like halfway through four hour work week. And I quit my corporate job maybe like two months ago. And I realized I have no idea what to do with my life. So the only like passion goal I could think of, which was this martial art goal, and that's why I decided to travel to the south of Philippines.
1: You're learning how to kill people on a very desolate island in the Philippines. How did it come together that we met?
0: It was purely by accident. I didn't pick Philippines only for the martial art purpose. I also at the time was in touch with Sebastian Marshall, and he sent me a link to your podcast, and he said, hey, these two guys are the guys I'm listening to you should check them out as like, oh, it's cool. One more reason to go to Philippines. Maybe they will be there at the same time because it looks like a complete bullshit to me, but I need to discover what's behind that. I would like to know what's the real
1: story. So you managed to get yourself on a ferry and we met in an island called Mindoro. And there was like 24 entrepreneurs there that had come for what was essentially like a party slash mastermind weekend. Can you describe that a little bit, like based on your memory? Like what was that meetup like for you?
0: I didn't experience anything as intensive as that before I went there. So it was something that completely blew my mind because it was full of, you know, awesome people with incredible stories. I was just overwhelmed by everybody's like help, feedback, ideas, experience, and potential what we can do together, how each of us can individually evolve what you can achieve because everybody talk about what they want to do, what they already doing. I really enjoyed
1: that. To me, it's strange to think like why it was such a random thing to all be there in such a remote place. Maybe it was partly the fact that it was so remote that the people were so interesting. Yeah, I just got to jump in here to say that I'm pretty sure that circle of all of us entrepreneurs sitting around was like the idea
2: in our heads when we said dynamite circle. This is how most companies get named in a very lame fashion. We're literally sitting around in a circle trying to think of explosive ideas. And we're like, oh, how about the Dynamite Circle group? The group is way cooler than the name, by the way. I'll tell you what, though. There was an incredible energy to it. I remember like, that
1: recognition of sitting across from people is like, whoa, These are my people. They're being honest with me. We're digging in together. And it was the start of something that's been really, really special. It was right thereafter that we took everybody that was at that meetup on that porch and invited them into a private forum. And since that day, I mean, people have been growing serious businesses out of these connections they're making. It's astonishing to see how much we've grown together and grown with each other in many cases.
0: I remember first after a few months of DC forum, I was pretty sad because new members joined. And for me, DC was very personal. I knew everybody face to face. So for me, it was the forum where I logged in and I knew those 20 people, like how they look like, what are their stories. And when new pe- members joined, I, like, I was kind of like not happy at the beginning, but eventually it turned <laughs> to be good.
1: <laughs> well, how did that evolve for you? Because when we first thought about doing this episode together, I was sitting in your backyard in Prague a few weeks ago, and there were 35 DC members there, a lot of them people that you had brought into the group. And so how has that thinking evolved for you?
0: Awesome for me. I remember that particular meetup that you've been to a month ago, I think. The best description I heard was when Jimmy Hayes from Minal asked me, and he was attending the first meetup that I did there, he asked me, Simon, are you seriously throwing a dynamite circle party at your mom's backyard and she's going to be cooking for us? And I was like, yes. And he was like, that's absolutely awesome. <laughs> I like that and I keep doing it every year now.
1: Why do you put so much energy into it? Because I mean, I had so much fun because, like you said, we were in your mother's backyard. She was cooking hamburgers for us that were amazing. It's a beautiful place. It felt like family, actually. The meetup sort of felt like family.
0: It was kind of inspired by your original meetup because... After that meetup, a few more months, and I decided I need to go back to Europe, I was just burning my savings, so I didn't have enough money to stay in Asia for too long, and I didn't actually have any project or anything to do, so I went home to this particular house, my mother's house, to work hard on my next thing.
1: So you went from being an employed, respectable citizen to quitting your job, learning how to kill people in under a minute, (laughs) (laughs) and moving back into your childhood home
0: yeah and then I was in Europe and DC was growing and I was looking at the map of all the DCers and there was nobody in Europe I was the only one like this dot or this point on Europe I was like what's going on guys Europe is not that bad (laughs) and I remember that the next year, next summer, it was hot in Asia and people were like, oh, talking in D.C. That maybe we should go somewhere else. And I was like, come to Europe, come to Europe. And I heard from a few people individually that they would consider doing that. So I think first time we launched a meet-up in Berlin. But the next year I did it in Prague, and it kind of worked as an excuse for people to come to Europe at the same time. And I felt like I want to reintroduce the same mood that we had in the Philippines, but doing it, you know, on my own way. So. I've just followed the same idea.
1: It's definitely become a tradition for those DCers not based in Europe to make it a point to visit every summer.
0: Yeah, that was my goal.
1: Nicely done. Bring me to that moment in your childhood bedroom. You're sitting there behind a laptop. What are you thinking you're going to do? I get
0: this intense feeling that which I only gained actually after I visited Southeast Asia and meeting all of you guys that my skills are actually valuable and actually can achieve something and build something great. I needed to clear my head and I get this feeling like the tools I learned to use and the skills I had can be used to build something big like Twitter or Facebook. I was thinking kind of foolishly, like, why not, you know, the technology is already here. Cloud computing was just arriving as a tool for developers that can be used by simple guys like me. So I felt like I can build something big just alone.
1: is that what you were thinking when you were in your bedroom? Yes. (laughs) So what were you building?
0: At the time I was building a shift planning app for Starbucks, which would help managers at Starbucks cafes to plan the shifts for all the employees.
1: So this is a software that would help the managers of the Starbucks manage their staff and when they were on and when they were off. And what gave you that idea?
0: I had an insider. My sister worked as a barista in one of the coffee stores. And she told me, hey, Simon, I'm working here. I spend like eight hours every day with this crazy Excel spreadsheet. You're smart. You have to know how to do it better. And I was like, this is insane. Like this incredible company, which is all around the world, is using the same spreadsheet. And when I was in Philippines, I saw people using the same spreadsheet. I peeked over the shoulder a few times. And in China as well. So I saw this opportunity of like, implementing something that was a pain point for all the you know, shift managers in every Starbucks around the world. So to me, that was a great opportunity.
1: You ended up doing this for how long?
0: I think it was like a year and a half.
1: And you didn't make any money, did you?
0: I made little money. Not enough. <laughs> I knew very little about business. I didn't know how to close a deal, how to effectively communicate. I was very good at building things and software and uh, usability of the software. So I eventually end up having all Starbucks cafes in Czech Republic using it and all the managers and all the whole stuff, even the top management. Everybody was really happy about that and they all loved it, except they didn't pay anything.
1: During this time, are you getting help from DCers during the Starbucks thing? Like, What kind of feedback are you getting from people while you're spending a year and a half not getting paid for your creation?
0: There was... Lots of people to jump on board and, hey, I will cover Germany for you and I will cover England for you. And I was actually planning how to scale this and how to create a network of, you know, country managers for my service and everything. And I was really excited and overwhelmed by those big ideas. But this one obstacle just to close the deal in my own country was completely, like, blocking me because I didn't have any money. The country manager kept just postponing everything and giving me excuses how the headquarters are just, they don't have time and they had different priorities. And just went on and on. And everybody just used it for free.
1: Well, what was the breaking point for you? What was the moment when you're like, man, I can't, I can't live like this?
0: Well, so the breaking point was when I was broke. <laughs> and I had no money. I remember at the same time, it was kind of a weird month. when Even my mother was like, hey, Simon, it was a year or so. Like, I'm happy giving you food, but you should earn some money or something. And I was like, damn. And I want to move to my own place. And I was thinking, if I need to keep doing this, I need a side project because I need to just stay positive in cash flow. And it was kind of a little bit desperate moment for me, but I was thinking, well, if I take a side project, it should be something that will teach me the skills that I don't have.
1: So you felt like this was a desperate moment and that taking a side project was like something that you weren't really excited about.
0: Yeah, but I always like to try to flip things into something positive. So I was thinking, hey, this is the situation. I'm going to flip it in something that I can gain you know, something from. And I'm going to take a side project where I will learn the skills that I don't have. Obviously, I couldn't sell my skills, my product. So I was thinking I need to learn marketing. I need to work with somebody who's awesome at marketing and to really be able to sell what I do and, and my products. Because the product was awesome.
1: You're thinking at this time, you're conscious of the fact that you can make software that anybody can use, that's super simple, but you're not sure how to make money from it and how to market it.
0: Exactly. I was thinking you need to work with somebody who can sell software.
1: <laughs> All right, so at this point in the story, it's obvious that Simon is an amazing developer. He can identify and solve problems online. But he was also aware that he had some limitations, that he wasn't able to sell and make money from this cafe staffing software that the people loved, but he couldn't market it effectively or find the right market for that software. So what did he do? He said, help, I need a partner. Well, it's a good thing because, you know, you imagine this guy is living at home with his mom and it's easy to go into your pride cave, you know what I mean? And be like, I'm going to solve this before I talk to anybody. You know, and Simon did the opposite, which is I think is part of what we try to do in the community is he reached out and he said, Look, I'm gonna go learn something from somebody else. He's broke, he's being criticized by his mother, and so he reaches out for help in the form of replying to an ad for a job as a WordPress developer, which I think it's safe to say is something he was a little overqualified for.
0: I looked at it and I was thinking like, well, I should actually listen to my motivation goal that I'm going to learn something even if I do something that might not be super fun. And I immediately struck me that the wording on the post was really good. The messaging, the copy that they wrote was really nicely written and really clear. And I was like, this this somehow like communicates really well. The other posts were not so interesting. And I went to some of their marketing materials and I see like these guys are actually selling stuff and really well. and they caught my attention, and I was super skeptic. I think they listed something like 15 things this developer needs to have, which I kind of like, you know, it's like 15 things. That seems like a long list. So I replied, hey, I got like 30 things that you might want.
1: (laughs) Wait, you replied and you said, I have 30 things? Yeah. (laughs) So the job was WordPress developer needed. You reply and you say, I'm pretty much way better than you're asking for. So you should hire me.
0: Yes, I was super arrogant, but in a nicely way, in a self-confident way, because I felt like I can help them, but I don't want to be just another, like, you know, WordPress designer.
1: And so it turned out that the people behind this post was actually Clay Collins. Yes. Who, he's famous on the internet. He was famous at the time. Did you know who he was when you applied to this job?
0: No, I had no idea.
1: It's worth briefly saying that Clay Collins is the CEO and one of the three co founders of Lead Pages. But we all knew Clay before this. Clay was, I would say, like similar to what we're doing. He had a podcast, he had a really compelling blog, and he was selling training, like marketing training to entrepreneurs at the time. Right, I think it's just interesting as a background to see like how people's careers can evolve. I mean, it was obvious that Clay was super smart and talented. It's interesting to see how this connection that they made created something bigger than the sum of its parts.
2: Yeah, and just the trajectory of Clay too, just from watching him evolve in his career, it's a pretty natural progression, I think, that he is now running this company that basically has marketing software. He didn't do a complete 180 from where he was at. I think this is a summation of what he's been working on all along.
1: You're right and well I don't know if Clay would say this but I remember reading his blog posts he would write these epic blog posts you know he was one of the original marketing bloggers that I had followed and I could see like more established business people like looking at his blog posts and being like who's this guy talking about marketing or whatever you know and the lesson is is that like if you stick at it and if you know your stuff you can open yourself up to these incredible opportunities in other words it was interesting to see him from the beginning you know what I mean? He wasn't always the CEO of a big company worth millions and millions of dollars. And so it's a story of inspiration. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> By the way, while we're talking about the news here, Lead Pages recently acquired Rob Walling's Drip. I mean, that's how much of a behemoth this thing has become, that it goes out and acquires companies that are quite successful.
2: Yeah. And if you want to hear about that journey, Rob and Mike detail it on their podcast startups for the rest of us.
1: And we will link to that episode on our show notes, which if you click on your phone, you might able to see them, but they'll also be at tropicalmba.com slash convert player. When you start to go back and forth, do you realize it at that point or is the whole time you're just like, yeah, this is just a WordPress gig. I'm the man, hire me.
0: I actually didn't have communication with him. I communicated with Tracy Simmons, which was eventually our third co-founder. And she was the one who like, put the post and who communicated with me. And we had a Skype call very early on after my email, because she was like, what the fuck is this email? <laughs> I need to talk to this guy, because he's either really good or really bad.
1: So you got her attention.
0: And we jumped on a Skype call. And I had just incredible one hour call with her, which was very like brutal honest. She loved it and I loved what she had to offer.
1: What was so honest about it? I mean, what were you guys sharing with each other? I don't remember
0: precisely, but it was something in a way that I will help you to build some WordPress stuff. But at some point we have to build something, you know, bigger together, bigger than just WordPress.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about like where they were at the time. So Clay had this YouTube show called The Marketing Show.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Clay Collins. And in this episode of The Marketing Show, I'm going to be giving you the world's best double opt in confirmation page. I'm going to show you how it works. I'm going to show you why it works. And I'm going to be offering you the opportunity for us to redesign one of your landing pages. That's what you have to look forward to in this episode of The Marketing Show.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, but he wanted to be able to put an email opt in box over top of the video while he was playing the show. Is that accurate?
0: Yes. That was one of the things. Yeah. There was a time when he had this idea and he was already kind of like well-known in marketing circles. Obviously I had no idea, that he was already kind of like famous and people like loved this video. And he actually helped people. He had like full set up business all around information products that help people to do their own marketing.
1: Was it the video or was it the lead page that was the welcome gate?
0: I think the first thing that motivated him and Tracy to move away from information products to software was that he was honestly trying to help people to do better marketing, but people were not reading those eBooks and not watching those videos, and it was kind of frustrating when you feel like you got something really cool that would actually help people, and people are not following your advice. So,
1: so at the time, Clay was a coach and then he was an instructor so he would create materials for people to improve their businesses yeah and then he was like look only 10% of the people that buy this like implement it in their business so why don't i make a tool
0: something like that yeah
1: and one of those tools was welcome gate
0: that was the first thing i did yeah
1: okay so i remember welcome gate because you would go to to mixergy it was like the biggest business podcast everybody listened to it and when you would go to the website it would kind of like interrupt you a little bit and say hey like welcome to mixergy do you want to get this program all you got to do is give us your email address and at the time like there was no way to really do that on the internet on your own website
0: that was the idea when what we talk about with clay is that if you actually give people software which can give them boundaries how to not to screw up but on the other way allow them to do something that already works and is proven they would greatly benefit from that so this thing this welcome gate was only possible to set up if you had a developer and with Clay, I think it was the first week I worked with him, I developed this plugin, which helped you to do it on your own site in WordPress in a matter of like, you know, a few seconds.
1: How did that first few weeks go building that stuff for them? Were you just like the hired gun and they were just paying you hourly or how did it work?
0: I think it was paid weekly or something like that. They already made very clear that they don't want somebody like part-time. They want somebody like full-time and will work with them for possibly several years. They don't want to hire somebody just for a few months.
1: I think it's safe to say that between your creative genius with technology and Clay's marketing knowledge and audience, is it fair to say that that was kind of like it sparked a fire?
0: Yeah, but it's not the whole picture. There was a third element. It was Tracy because me and Clay, we were like those crazy two kids doing this weird conflict between technology and marketing, always like half arguing how to do stuff, while she was running things. She was the operations of everything, accounting, business, and she was the one who actually made the business work as a business. We were the crazy two kids just you know playing with our tools. So the three of us together was insane balance that most people you know, don't have. That was a really great combination.
1: And know that there's so many people listening to this show that. Remember Welcome Gate. Like it was an important product in the space. It really changed what publishers could do. At what point were you like, oh shit, we've got something? You know what I mean? At what point did it come from like, yeah, we're gonna work together for a while to like, oh man, my life might change?
0: I think before every product that I launched with Clay, I was always skeptic and he had to like prove to me it actually works, which was this weird like clash, which I wasn't so skeptic that I would actually stop him. Even though I sometimes told me even lead pages was a bad idea.
1: Bring me to that argument. Because lead pages now everybody knows about lead pages. You thought it was a bad idea though, this is great. So why did you think it was a bad idea? I thought even the welcome
0: gate was a bad idea because I'm a developer. I see what needs to be done to set it up like on my own and I see like fifteen minutes, half an hour, two hours. I don't think like anybody can obviously do that. And if they don't know how, they would Google how. And then I realize shit, these people actually don't have time to do that. So when we created the first plugin, Welcome Gate, and launched it for free, and we had this great success, I was like, wow, we're actually helping people. That's a great feeling, and I didn't know that. So I felt like this is a great combination, because Clay can communicate with people, and I can help them with my skills, and together, somehow, it just worked.
1: So there was this sense that he saw markets where you didn't see them, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I was always reminding myself, That's why I joined him because I need to learn how to do marketing myself because I obviously didn't understand the market. So I was never really loud about what he should be doing. I was just thinking, you know, hey, this sounds weird, but let's try it.
1: So was there a moment for you guys when you kind of, all three of you looked at each other and you were like, oh my goodness, like we've created a monster. We've really done something here. Or was it more gradual?
0: It was more gradual, but I think we had this excitement like from the day one. I think like Two, three weeks later, I even went back to Tracy I told her, like, Tracy, this is really weird, like, I think you have really weird, like, hiring standards, because you hired me after one Skype call, and that's just not good, we can't be hiring people like that. And I didn't know who she was, and she just smiled and told me, Simon, I worked 25 years in HR, I had thousands of interviews. I never ever heard anybody after one Skype call. You are the first one. (laughs) And I felt like both really proud and both really silly for telling her how to do her stuff. We had this weird excitement, weird chemistry among the three of us from the beginning. It was working really well.
1: How long in total did you end up staying with Lead Pages?
0: A Little bit over four years.
1: So it started with the three of you and what did the company look like when you left a few months ago?
0: I think it was about 150 employees.
1: And what was your role throughout those four years?
0: My roles changed to so many different levels. I started working from, as a WordPress designer, a developer, and eventually made it to co-founder, to CTO, software architect, different technical roles, and from managing to more technical and architectural positions.
1: Do you care about money? Is that why you did this? Because you were broke when you got involved with this company that some of the most famous investors in Silicon Valley invested millions of dollars in. That seems like a crazy ride, just a few years from like your bedroom, needing to pay the rent to millions of dollars in investments.
0: No, I don't think I was ever motivated by money. For me, it was always the number, which is why I was doing the marketing and I was doing the technical side because he was driven by money and by numbers and we all needed the numbers to be positive so that we can all you know, survive. And he did a great job. But for me, it was more, even though like creating tools for marketers at the beginning didn't seem like a, you know exciting thing, then I realized I can, with my skills, create tools that will really, like, change people's lives in a way that it will help them build their businesses and achieve stuff. And that felt really exciting. So for me, it was always excitement and building something that would be helpful to people was the thing that drove me all the time.
1: So why walk away from lead pages? It's doing better than ever. You guys just acquired Drip. Like there's so many exciting things going on with lead pages. Why leave it behind?
0: I feel like I learned so many new things, and I also learned what I always been really great at. And I am really good at building things from scratch. Like taking some idea or tool, and almost overnight or a weekend or a month building a new tool. And I always did that at these pages. Every new feature or new thing that I created was usually kind of like a solo project. And I realized at this company of this scale, I'm not as useful. And I didn't enjoy so much the management and the high roles. I really wanted to be hands down with the product, with the tool and crafting it with my own hands. And the more people you have, the more kind of like high level you have to go in a way that you actually don't write any code anymore.
1: Do you mind sharing, like, how did it go with Clay and Tracy? It must have been hard to tell them that you're going to walk.
0: The company got so big that I think I didn't talk with them for a month already. So we were, like, already, like, pretty distant with all of us being so busy with parts of the company. So they understood. I see. They were a bit sad. It was nothing dramatic. It was pretty nice departure, very friendly. They still support me.
1: What's it feel like now? I mean, you kind of did what everybody dreams of doing more or less when you get into the entrepreneurial game. You co-founded a high growth startup that got investment at a stunningly successful company. Can you share like what's it feel like to be on the other side of that?
0: That's kind of what coming back to the idea that I want to create like next crazy big thing like Facebook or Twitter. The scary thing is when you have some crazy goal, you should be careful because it might become true. So I feel like I accomplished that. And then realized, you know, oh, it's too big for me. I want to kind of go back and do something smaller with more control, more fun for me as a technical person, something I can kind of play with. And a little bit also, I felt like I want to try on my own how is it to actually launch and market software on my own
1: Yeah because you must be in such a different position as a marketer now I can imagine you like see the matrix now like you probably have a better sense for what products are going to work
0: Exactly so I got this weird like sensation that oh I want to try it on my own you know just to see what happens because I've been surrounded by incredible marketing people for four years and I felt like I sought so much like knowledge and experience that I would like to test, you know, how it works on my own, whether I succeed or not. It just that was my motivation to learn something new, which I didn't know how to do, which was the marketing. So now is the time to do it.
1: Do you feel like DCers or people around you treat you any differently now?
0: Yeah, I guess they do. Yeah. Well, my true friends and the people that even some of the original gangsters they still behave to be the same, you know.
1: We have to explain what original gangster means.
0: Original gangster was anyone who was on that island when you started <laughs> DC and this whole community.
1: So Ian doesn't treat you any differently. <laughs>
0: it's weird because people like Ian, they I get their respect, you know, from the very beginning. That was pretty awesome. So that didn't change. Some people they say, Oh, read pages and they don't actually know who I am. So I really appreciate the people who take the time to get to know me.
1: Tell me about this project that you're working on.
0: So my next project, after I left these pages, is called Convert Player.
1: Convert Player. This is interesting. Where did you get the idea?
0: Well, I can't hide that I get this idea from Clay.
1: Wait, first off, you have to explain what does Convert Player do?
0: So Convert Player is a SaaS, it's a software service that will help you to get more leads from your YouTube videos.
1: And how does it do that?
0: On YouTube, you can't put your opt-in box or any marketing, you know, action on the video. But if you embed the video on your site, you get more control. And I get a tool that will allow you to time it and insert the opt-in box anytime in the video.
1: When you embed it on your site, basically what you're doing is your software creates an overlay over the video.
0: Yes it, but you will not even recognize there's anything until the moment when the time of the video hits a moment that you pre-programmed and it will show the -the opt-in-a-box. So people to continue watching the video should give you their email.
1: And is that the only feature that it will launch with or?
0: That's the main feature I will launch with. There's so much more things and ideas that I have for this, but this is kind of the minimum lovable version of the product that I will launch with.
1: Now, Simon, this product sounds familiar. Have I seen it somewhere before?
0: Yes, it's kind of like resurrection of the good old lead player that I did with Clay many years ago after Welcome Gate and before Pages.
1: It's so interesting with this because lead player was one of your projects when you guys all started working together. And for a moment in internet time, everybody's videos were shrouded in your software. Fast forward a few years and it's just gone. What happened there?
0: Well lead pages happened. It was just such a great opportunity and we didn't have the time and the focus to even maintain it on a site. We we're looking for like a laser focus on our next big thing which was lead pages. So we couldn't spend time on lead player. So we had to shut it down. And it was a really hard decision. We talked about it really long and eventually we moved on. But The idea of Leadbearer stayed in my head for all those years because I loved that product. I was working on it for almost a year, I think. I just kept thinking, like, I need to do it again and much better.
1: So how are you going to do it differently? I'm assuming you're not looking for investors.
0: No, I'm going to be (laughs) fully bootstrapped. And I completely rewritten the code from scratch. I didn't even look at the old code or anything. I just went with the idea that I need to put this opt-in box on a YouTube video again, but in a more like, stable and professional way. Then I will use my skills as a completely newbie marketer to try to promote it and launch it on my own.
1: Congrats. I'm looking forward to When's it launching?
0: Very soon. Software is like 99% done. I have the landing page at ConvertPlayer.com where you can subscribe for the launch information.
1: ConvertPlayer.com. And will you come back on the show to share how it goes?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would love to do that, yeah. I mean, I've got my own experiment because I'm now... I bought lights and I'm recording my own marketing videos in my office and I'm doing landing pages and writing my own copy and I'm using Drift to do my like own email marketing. And it's just, I realized like I never actually sold anything. I still am that guy five years back that didn't actually sell anything on his own, I mean in my name. So it's kind of scary because the technical part is super easy. I know how to do it. It already works and I'm really excited about how the software looks like, but... The other thing that I'm going to be putting myself out there and communicating my own marketing, that's going to be scary, but only in a way that it's kind of exciting and I want to try it.
1: Thanks for joining us, Simon. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, first off, congratulations to Simon for just being on an incredible ride and for launching ConvertPlayer.com. I feel like Simon is a little bit of the Midas Touch kind of guy. You know, (laughs) like when you use a software, it's so simple. It's so intuitive. And, you know, this software used to exist in the past. You know, there was a brief period there where you go to YouTube videos on people's blogs and they were asking you to opt in. It makes so much sense. I was not aware that Leadpages had discontinued that software. And by the way, shame on you for not having, I'm going to blame you for not having Simon on the show for the past five years.
2: Well, (laughs) I've like traveled to his country just specifically to visit with him. So it's not that I don't like Simon. It's just that the time hasn't been appropriate, but now obviously the time is appropriate. So (laughs) Simon, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Simon.
1: We look forward to returning to your beautiful country and abode. If you're interested in checking out what Simon's up to, do check out ConvertPlayer.com or check out this post, tropicalmbacom slash ConvertPlayer. We will be back next Thursday morning. See you then, boss man. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical NBA podcast. You can go to TropicalNBA.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.